Hey everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Magazine, and when I was following the Ferguson riots and, and even the one-year anniversary of the first protest, one of the most intriguing factors in how people in the area dealt with the crisis was when a group of Oath Keepers, or even just concerned neighbors, stepped up to take ownership of their own defense against looters and arsonists, while the police were overwhelmed with keeping order down at the demonstration sites. Now it just goes to show you that when the chips are down, all you can really count on is yourself. And so we wanted to continue some of our previous broadcasts about neighborhood defense with a more in-depth look at the physical fortification of your own personal line of defense during times of civil unrest. Now this one really makes you think about all the resources that you might have available to you, and I'm hoping that we get a lot of listener input on the blog with comments of your own ideas about how to build up a physical barrier from the chaos. Go ahead and listen in now, and please share your tips at the end. Check this out now. bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, would you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Obviously, when city planners are constructing communities, the last thing they're thinking of is its defense against enemy combatants. In fact, if anything, the way that normal neighborhoods are set up, most homes will be a sitting duck if a battle broke out on your block. Now, you yourself may not have given any thought to about how to defend your home in your community when it suddenly becomes a war zone. But as we've recently seen during times of widespread civil unrest, rioting, and looting, any emergency that plunges your town into a state of social chaos could bring violence literally right to your door and onto your streets. Now, when the police are overwhelmed and 911 operators give up on even trying to answer the phone, it's left to you and hopefully a well-trained survival team to defend your home and your local area. And as with any castle, the better fortified your fortress is, as you're staring at the marauders outside the gates, the better your chance of survival. But with the prospect of bricks, bullets, and Molotov cocktails as your enemy's arsenal, what are the best means of fortifying your home and community defense zone to repel an assault? Well, that's exactly what we're here to find out. Hello, everyone. It's Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare in your role as a protector and a patriot. And with us today to, your, to help us construct your very own do-it-yourself barricade blueprint for defending your home or community from external attack and a collapse, I want to welcome back one of my favorite personal guests, Pat Henry. Pat, welcome back to the program, man. Hey, Jeff. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me back. Um, this I always get lots of good tips. So I always have like my notebook on standby when I'm talking to you. So, so really cool. Listen, everybody. Um, if you haven't heard the other broadcasts that we've done with Pat or any of the other stuff, but Pat, Pat is a veteran of the U.S. Army and a driven patriot who believes wholeheartedly in self-reliance. Now, he draws upon his military experience and several years of survival training to develop a self-reliant lifestyle and a fast response action plan for when the warning signs of impending doom turn to red flags. He's a prolific writer whose articles have been viewed over three and a half million times by people in over 160 countries. And as far as I'm concerned, his blog should be on your must-read list. So you definitely want to go check out his training at www.thepreppurjournal.com. Now, Pat... 
they, they say that the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. And security, when it comes to especially like a neighborhood defense and home defense and things like that, can really seem overwhelming if you look at it as a whole. But if you break it down into, into sections, it becomes more manageable. So, so how can we think of our home and neighborhood as like defensive sectors, breaking it down piece by piece so we can, so we can prepare the right materials in advance? Right. Well, Jeff, I've, I've been thinking a lot about this lately and, you know, we've talked uh, about some of these concepts before. Um, and, you know, we usually try to, you know, military teaches us to think in zones. You know, we've got our, you know, our you know, zones that we have to control. And I, I used to always say that, you know, you would go out to maybe, you know, you know, the, the street coming into your neighborhood and then, you know, back it up into, you know, concentric circles you know, back closer to your your home. But as I was uh, thinking about this again, I, I, I think I've been looking at it backwards, and, and I think that it's, it's more helpful to start thinking of immediately around your home first and then going out further and further. And the, and the reason why I think that is because you can only cover – uh, you know, what you have the people to cover. So, it, you know, it doesn't matter if you can put a, a barricade up five miles away from your home. If there's nobody that can control that barricade, if you can't communicate with anyone at that barricade, it does you no good. So uh, I think knowing what you can cover is going to help you define what your defensive sectors are more than anything. If you just got two people, well, then you're limited. You might just be uh, able to, you know, look out your front door and your back door. Uh, so that's going to give you a, a much more limited sector than, you know, thinking about a neighborhood perspective. You know, what kind of uh, range do you have, um, you know, to, to see out your front window? You know, what kind of, you know, targeting do you have to worry about? Are are you on a major road or are you at the end of a cul-de-sac? So, you know, I think knowing what you can cover is going to come down primarily to, you know, the people that you have. Uh, and the communication that you have. So if you have five people and you've got communication that will go, let's just say half a mile with some, uh, some, you know, cheap Walmart walkie talkies. Well, that's going to define, you know, probably a pretty close in perimeter around your home. Um, and then, you know, once, so once you have the, the material, I mean, the people, you know, component of it, how many different entry points do you have to worry about or where do you have to, to think about people coming in, what do you have to defend? Um, you're not going to have a castle around your home or a, a moat around your home. Uh, you're going to have to be looking for major access points. People will be able to slip past you. Um, you know, so that's, you're never going to be able to put a, an, impenetrable, an impenetrable fortress around you, but you can, you can control access. So if you've got two streets coming in, one on the front, one on the back, you know, um, you know, maybe you can cover these two areas with communication back to your home, and you know that's that's what your your sector is. Um, I think uh, using tools to help you now uh, will really help you. You know, if you do have to use something like this, your Google Earth is is an amazing tool. It's free. Uh, and it allows you to see your neighborhood from, uh, you know, a 10,000 foot perspective, really. Um, you know, all the streets coming into your, your neighborhood or your, uh, your city, but seeing them from, 
you know, 4,000 feet up in the air, I, I think is, is about the, uh, the level that the Google Earth image that I use. It shows you much better, you know, not only the paths that are coming into your neighborhood, the, the access points, but where you, someone could potentially drive a car, you know, through two, two homes. Uh, to, you know, through some yards or where there might be, uh, you know, access for you to get out of, of your neighborhood, you know, sneak out undetected. Uh, because uh, along with coming up with these defensive sectors, I think one thing we, we tend to forget is how are we going to get out of there? Um, defense is, is one thing, but you always have to have a plan for getting out of there. So when you're thinking about what you can defend, think about how you're going to get out of there if that defense uh, you know, falls down and you have to run for your life. So what you're really, you know, what you're saying is you have to really have to take a look at what your resources are first. I mean, because you can't kind of wave the magic wand and figure, okay, I'm going to have a platoon of, of neighborhood infantry to be able to take on everything. And we'll plan from there. You need to kind of plan for what do you currently have? And what you currently have is maybe it might just be your family or extended family or something like that. And then your home and maybe even looking at it as even like the core within your home, like like having a safe room. Like we talk about that even for home invasion. So you that might be like the very epicenter of your plan. And then you, of course, have your home, but then you have your egress and ingress routes and, and, and things like that. Instead of looking at it as like these circles that are a specific range out away from you, it's really more specific to the layout of, of your area, the avenues and things like that? That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking because it, it, it doesn't matter what you plan for if you don't have the people to execute that plan. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and if, you know, you certainly can, um, you know, strategize, you know, if I have 30 people or 40 people or 50 people and some of that research with Google Earth will help you, you know, plan for that type of, you know, defensive strategy, but I might have the most awesome plan in the world for defending my neighborhood. But if it's just me and my wife and two daughters, uh, that plan is going to change seriously. Well, and actually what I like about that is like, as you plan out, so let's say that you, you figure, okay, well, you know what, we've got this choke point here that would really be strategically advantageous for us, but you know, I don't have the personnel for that, but, um, but, but then if you look like, okay, let's say that that's, Let's say that that's three miles out from your location, just just to use a number. Well, you know, asking your neighbor to travel out three miles away from his home to go out and man that post doesn't sound right. But if you know the people out in that area or if you start looking at it as, okay, that would be strategically advantageous. So that kind of gives you this kind of target zone of, okay, who in that area would maybe be a good prospect for somebody that that is out in that area that we can extend our defenses out to that area, even if it's communication wise, like who would be a good prospect out there looking at it from a 10,000 point view, then, you know, then we can start narrowing down, like, are there people that we should add to our team? You know, it kind of, it kind of helps you out even in the planning of personnel, not just even just your, your defensive stuff. Oh, sure. Because, you know, you have to take, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, we're seeing right now in the news is, is, um, you know, this, this migrant crisis of people just pouring across borders. So the Google Earth research, uh, part of that can help you determine where are people likely going to be coming from if 
there is a situation where people are fleeing on foot. You know, we, you know, the golden horde that you know, we talk about in prepping circles all the time. Yeah. I, I believe that's a real possibility. And so if you're planning for a, a migration of people who, for whatever reason, are flooding into your area, that's going to help you identify, you know, you know, flows of, of drift where they might be uh, coming through. And then that would adjust your defensive sectors even more. So knowing someone, uh, knowing people that are in, in, in the way of that drift, um, could help you plan those contacts as well. Yeah. Yeah, we saw it. We actually saw that in real life. I mean, post Katrina, there have even been television shows now on on the gangs that were moved out of New Orleans and sometimes were transplanted on purpose. Not not that we were, they were trying to transplant gangs, but people needed a place to live. So people were taking in, you know, refugees, if you will, from from New Orleans into Houston or into Dallas and different areas. Well, with that, those gangs kind of moved to those areas because they needed a place to live and they needed a place to operate. And so we had these kind of invading gangs coming in, even on the outskirts of like New Orleans. When people are flooding out of there, they need a place to go. And, right. you know, so that's, you know, we've seen this in real life happen. It's not just, you know, kind of fantasy zombie stuff. But listen, in the um, in, in the military, we always looked really like far beyond the front lines and really look at the approaches that an enemy might have. And this really is as, as much of a challenge as you can get to. And, you know, we're looking at your home or neighborhood because, and you've said this before, our neighborhoods are designed to be accessible. I mean, they're not, they're not meant to repel invaders. They're meant to allow people to travel in and around your neighborhood. I mean, roads carry us all around the country as well as through our neighborhood. So, what are some examples if, you know, if I could effectively barricade a road or if I identify certain checkpoints or certain avenues of ingress that I would want to delay people coming in on cars or any vehicles or something like that, how could I, how, how could I effectively create a barricade on a road to make that um, a, a reality? Sure. It, you know, it comes, some of it comes down to, you know, what kind of crisis, you know, we're having. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to assume worst case scenario and not, uh, you know, not just something like a hurricane because if you start, if you start barricading your streets and people are trying to. Yeah. No, here's what I'm thinking. I mean, let's, let's kind of like picture suburbia, you know what I mean? Right. And we've seen like in the Ferguson protests and things like that. And Ferguson isn't like, um, you know, from what I see, it's your average kind of suburban. It, it wasn't really like inner city from what I could see. Um, but I've, I've never traveled through there, but let's just say it's suburbia. And we've seen these things like oath keepers pop up, right? I mean, it's like the police are all in, in riot gear and they're surrounding the most important things that they could possibly surround to protect, which is, of course, their own ass. You know, it's the it's the city hall. It's the you know, it's like they're protecting the government. They're trying to create a unified force there. They're not able to go out there and really do a lot to protect the CVS pharmacy or people's homes and things like that. So Oath Keepers stepped up. They grabbed their I mean, and sometimes it was just neighbors stepping up, grabbing their hunting rifle or whatever, standing out in front of their yard or up on top of rooftops and, you know, protecting other businesses or friends homes or their own homes or whatever. But those were civilians that that took up, OK, there's roving gangs of looters out there, people with Molotov cocktails burning buildings because 
there's no police to really stop them. So, you know, if we were to look at, okay, we're not, we're not letting them burn down our block, you know, or our, or our homes. That's kind of what I'm looking at is, you know, there are people running around, um, with Molotov cocktails or with guns, um, ready to loot anything that they can, they can, um, that they can get. And you want to, let's say, protect your neighborhood. Right. Well, and, you know, suburbia, I, I guess it just depends on where you're at. And so, so we'll take suburbia. Um, you know, I think some of the easiest obstacles that you can, you know, put over a road, um, if you have the right, uh, you know, type of uh, areas would be trees or, or telephone poles. Um, you know, people, uh, you know, you go out there with a chainsaw in, in, in my neighborhood in about 15 minutes, I could, you know, I could lock down, you know, three or four roads. Um, but then it'd be hard for people to get in or out. Yeah. And, you know, so you can, you can drop trees, um, or telephone poles, um, and put them halfway across the road at opposite, uh, you know, opposite ends from one another. So three trees, um, Three trees probably 24 feet apart. Uh, each tree covers half of the road, and it's, it's, you know, like opposite ends of a ladder. So you have half a tree on the right side of the road, 20 feet up. You have uh, half a tree on the left side of the road, and then 20 feet up, you have half a tree on the on the right side of the road. Any car coming through there would have to slow down. Um, that's, that's one way of, you know, setting up a, a defensive um, area that you can slow traffic. Now, if you're looking to completely barricade um, a road, and something like Ferguson, a tree might be a little bit, a little bit too much. Yeah. Uh, but you do want to put an obstacle that's back far enough that um, you know can, you know, it's it's rock throwing distance far, you know, it's far enough so that those Molotov cocktails can't land on anything. Uh, you know, abandoned cars. You know, sometimes these cars get uh, smashed up by looters anyway, abandoned cars or, uh, you know, school bus, dumpsters, uh, which you don't really have in a, a, an urban environment, but you can take, um, you can even take trash cans and fill them full of dirt. And that, um, you know, that can make a, you know, a barrier that you can, you know, wheel in or, you know, kind of drag into place, fill it with dirt, and then you've got, you know, it's a barricade that's going to keep any cars passing. Certainly, if you you know put that a couple you know trash cans deep, um, you know there's you know depending on how bad the crisis is, I mean, you can do the the French uh, you know resistance barricade of all the dressers and and uh, you know the, the chest of drawers and you know everything and just cover the street. And um, you know we see that kind of thing. In um, places like uh, you know Syria and and the um, you know the recent um, you know uprising you know over in Europe, I mean the, whatever you can take to pile up right there to stop a car, uh, anything is game. Hmm. Yeah. Well, um, and, and I like the um, the vehicles too because those can be those could actually close off the road, but could be wheeled out of the way. I mean, I'm thinking like Mad Max. I think I think I just saw Mad Max, and there's like a I think there was like a, a school bus. Yeah, yeah. And just kind of wheel it out of the way and there's your gate. So that makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, 
We're talking with Pat Henry of theprepperjournal.com about various ways that you can construct simple yet effective barriers for defending your home and neighborhood during a collapse. And we definitely have a lot more coming up, including perimeter defense strategies strong enough to take on everything from the zombie hordes to enemy vehicles, your front yard defenses and how to create a virtual zone of horror directly outside your walls, and finally, fortifying your castle, in other words, your home, to repel anyone savvy enough to get through your outer defenses. But first, check out this special message. In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival. Don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. Okay, we're back with Pat Henry of theprepperjournal.com talking about do-it-yourself barricades for your home and neighborhood defense plan. And I'm excited to hear about what more uh, stuff we have coming up and what kind of materials I need to start gathering up now. So let's go ahead and jump right back in. Now, Pat, the, the outer perimeter in any defensive situation is one of the most important ones because the farther away that you can engage an enemy, the better. And I don't want to build something the enemy is just going to, to blow through without effort. So how do I set up my defensive outer perimeter for my neighborhood or my home? And what sort of materials should I be staging or looking for or scavenging? And what suggestions do you have on how to construct these? For sure. Um I think, you know, we, we have to go back to, you know, defining, you know, go back to that, you know, what we talked about initially is, you know, defining that ground you can control. So assuming, uh, you know, you have a, a typical neighborhood and, you know, maybe a mile away is, is you know, you have a road that, that passes and you want to, you know, block access to that road. Um, there's a couple things that actually my um, – my uh, juvenile uh, delinquent days, you know, <laughs> taught me. Uh, and what we we did, I think the statute of limitations has passed now. But we what we would do is, as kids is, you know, the the real estate signs that you see in yards. Um, well, they have a, a black metal frame that's underneath the picture of the smiling real estate agent. And what we would do is we would take that uh, the paper part of the sign off off the frame, and then we would bend the frame in an L shape at a 90 degree L and we would put these in the road. So at night cars don't see the little thin black wires, but what happens is they hit it and the real estate 
uh, sign frame comes up and it wedges underneath their car and then it just shoots sparks out, you know, as it, as they drag it down the road. Well, this doesn't do any damage, uh, but it's certainly kind of a, a low budget early warning system. Hmm. If you can put this out far enough from your perimeter, even if someone's trying to sneak up on you and maybe they're running blacked out and they're, you know, really silent. Uh, they hit the sign and maybe, uh, even if you, you know, tie some, some cans to it on the other end of the road, they're going to hit that sign. You're going to have some advanced, uh, notice that someone's coming. Um, it might, may or may not work, uh, depending on the vehicle. Certainly higher, uh, clearance vehicles are, are not going to trip that, but you know, you might catch the, the guy that's in the, uh, 67 Impala who's, uh, <laughs> trying to sneak through your neighborhood. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, that's, that's just an example of, you know, early warning. I think, uh, some, you know, some vehicle, um, you know, just disable, we can disable some vehicles with, you know, homemade, uh, nail strips. Uh, you can just stick a couple boards with big nails in them across the road. If the car hits that, it'll punch some tires. You can also do the same thing with shingles, run nails up to the, um, through the shingles and lay them all over the road. And the car is going to pick that up and it's going to, you know, if you lay enough of them down, it's going to come inside the wheel wells. And, uh, you know, if nothing else, it's going to make a heck of a lot of noise, mm. make, you know, have to make them have to slow down. Um, you know, uh, I think no, you know, going back to the, you know, outer perimeter, if you can, if you can communicate with someone half a mile away, uh, and, you know, they can let you know when someone's approaching, if we construct a barrier that they cannot get across or they have to, you know, at least slow down, uh, you know, to uh, a guard position to get through. Um, I think, you know, some of these things are, are going to be able to help you, um, you know, control access. And they're not, they're not really wasting a whole lot of time or material. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like that. I mean, that's something you can even make ahead of time. Also, like I'm thinking you could probably take duct tape and and put nails like up through the duct tape and then put another layer of duct tape down so that there's no sticky side at all. You know, so you're basically making a roll of of um, like upright nails that you could actually make a roll. And then when you needed to, you could roll that across um, a... Uh, you know, a um, a road or something pretty easily, and roll it back up if you if you need to, or something like that. I mean, that that sounds like that might work out pretty well. And then, you know, I was thinking even just like the yellow tape, because I'm thinking, okay, you don't really necessarily want to just you know flatten everybody's tires in the area, but if you're trying to control access and you do have something there like yellow tape right before, you know, those types of things, kind of like a parking garage thing, like don't back up or you'll puncture your tires sort of thing at the rental car agency. You know, you could have that same kind of thing, like the yellow tape, if, you know, hopefully somebody will stop at that or, you know, if there are lights on it or something like that. But um, but if they don't, well, you know, the sign, the, like the sign at the rental car agency says, don't back up. If you back up, it's on you that you just flatten those tires. But kind of that same thing, if somebody says, screw you, I'm going through, well, you know, that <laughs> kind of sucks for yeah. them. Yeah, we're not responsible for any bullet holes in your vehicle. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, now let's, let's turn our thoughts to kind of the inner perimeter, which is that area right, right around the home. So 
Can you give me some examples of how I can construct barricades immediately outside my home? Like how far away? What sort of materials should I should I use for this? That sort of thing. Sure. Well, I was um, you know thinking about this, but you know I I think about this with my house. I mean, I'm on a uh, I'm on a dead end street, but certainly you know I've I've you know considered the possibility of you know trying to you know, stop cars from coming down my street. I don't think that I'm going to be able to close off the entire perimeter of my front yard because there's just so much, uh, so much space there. But we, there are choke points where I can keep any cars coming from and they're, you know, you know, maybe 50 feet away from, you know, my front driveway. So I'm looking for choke points where I can maximize the, um, or minimize the space that anyone's able to get through. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking of what can I do, what can I put there? You know, trees are obvious, you know, drop a tree, you know, that would make my neighbor really happy. Um, but I was thinking, too, the the fencing that many of us have, you know, for our garden, it's just this, uh, you know, metal, probably four-inch by two-inch uh, rectangles. And, I've you know, I make uh, tomato cages with that. But you just cut a... Uh, a four foot, five foot section of, of that fence and then bend the wire around the edge to make an oval shape. Well, you can take that oval shape and do just like they, you know, they did overseas with the, um, you know, the hasty, um, um, I can't even think of what they're called, but it's just essentially a cardboard box with wire inside it and they dump sand in it. So you take your, your wire round. You know, put some, some cardboard from your, uh, you know, Amazon shopping, uh, trips in there and fill it full of dirt. And now you have a, a column of dirt that is going to be, you know, pretty, pretty darn stout. I mean, I would have to think that that's, you know, got to be, you know, four or five hundred pounds of dirt right there. So you put, you know, two of those in front and one in the back. So now you're talking, you know, maybe, you know, close to 1,200 pounds of dirt just in one area. And you can do that um, pretty quickly without, you know, without having to, to purchase anything more than some, some wire mesh. And, I, you know, if, if something like that happened, I would just take the fence down over my garden. I wouldn't even have to worry about it. Um, same thing with trash cans. I talked about a little bit, you know, earlier. You roll your trash cans down there, these, uh, you know, nice trash cans that the, you know, waste management comp- company comes and picks up with the arm and dumps for me. That'll hold easily, you know, three, four hundred pounds of dirt. Just roll that into place, fill it full of dirt, and then that's your barricade. Um, you know, if if it's a real if it's a real big crisis, I mean, I can put washing machines, uh, you know, freezers, fill those full of dirt. Um, you know, uh, anything that's going to be mass. It's going to stop that vehicle. Will it stop a tank? No. Uh, but will it stop probably most passenger cars on the road? Yeah. Uh, if, if not, it's going to severely, you know, slow them down so that I can take action when that happens. What about, um, I've never, I've never lived on a farm or anything, but, um, I've gotten stung. I did live, I did grow up in the country. So I've gotten stung a few times on electric fences and I'm wondering, if there were even a way to, like, if you had that 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 roll of um, fencing, like you're talking about, that's not really all that expensive for that stuff. And if you had rolls of that available, and then those 
like a sledgehammer and those like green pylons you can pound in for for like fences like i wonder how hard it would be to put that fence up around around your home um i wonder how expensive it would be but then also i wonder if there's a way cuz obviously somebody would just you know just knock it over in, in, in no time they could just probably easy, pretty easily do that but if it were somehow like i don't know what it takes to electrify a fence not to the point where like you're you know somebody's head starts smoking but you know just like ow that hurt and i probably ought to ought not to do that or you know something like um i'm thinking along like along lines of a security perimeter or something like that yeah that that um you know the green t-bar poster that's the kind of fence i'm talking about yeah about four foot high um and so that's what i would you know would be making that barrier with but yeah sure you can you can electrify that um and that might that might make someone you know it might get their attention if they if they grab onto it but unless you're yeah unless you're throwing a couple car batteries on there i don't i don't think it's going to stop them yeah i don't know what it would take well it's not it's more than a nine volt battery i'm sure yeah yeah (laughs) yeah well it's um you know and and you know, my neighbor has electric tents, and as long as you're, as long as you're, um, not wearing, um, like he wears, I think he wears like rubber shoes, and as long as his, as long as his feet are on the ground, it's okay, but, you know, deer gets shocked, or I don't know what it is. All I know is that if I was, if I really wanted to get through that fence, I could just run and fall into it, and it, you know, it would be down, so, um, yeah. You know, I think, I think if, uh, if nothing else, you could use that as, you know, a visual indicator of you better stay out or this, this is a line that you pass sure. and, you know, it's go time. Um, you know, I think something like that definitely could work, you know, as far as getting someone's attention. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this kind of brings us to our last line of defense and that's the home itself. I mean, you know, we we see it like in zombie movies and things. You know, and the arms start coming through the windows, and the and the creatures are right on the front porch. Like that's your last line of defense. So, what are some ways and some materials that I can use to really batten down my home itself and and cut myself and my and my family off from the invaders as this last ditch effort to keep us safe? All right. Well, there's there's a lot of stuff you can do ahead of time, and then there's some stuff that uh, there's some ideas that you can you know implement. If, you know, this just happens and you haven't had time to prepare, um, you know, I think it's important to remember that if you're, if you're looking at, <laughs> you know, if the zombies are beating on your home, uh, or anybody is in there, you're, that's your, you're only buying yourself time. Um, you're not likely going to be able to hold off any number of people for very long. You could slow them down. And I think, uh, I think that's what we're looking to do. But, uh, my plan is if it gets to that point where they're at my door, uh, my plan is going to be to have some distraction, uh, for them so that hopefully I can have someone get outside and flank them or, uh, we just, you know, we exit out the back or, you know, some other way. So that's, that's the first thing I'm thinking of. But, but within that, um, you know, how do we slow them down? So two primary uh, places for entry are going to be at windows and doors. Uh, sure, someone could take a sledgehammer and start beating in the wall, but if they're doing that, you're not going to stop them anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but so windows and doors. So windows 
ahead of time, you can purchase uh, 3M film. 3M has a, a great film that you can apply to your windows that essentially makes them uh, like a sheet of plastic. It's like safety glass. So it can take so much abuse before it will actually, you know, give in. It's, it's not going to be bulletproof. It's not going to withstand, you know, repeated hits from a sledgehammer, but it certainly won't shatter the first time they hit it with something. Um, and I've, you know, I've seen videos of this product where, yeah. you know, someone whacking it and it's, you know, a good minute or two. If someone's stuck on your window for a minute, then you've got time to, you know, either, you know, respond. Head, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or run around outside and do something. Yeah. Um, you know, plywood cut to fit over your windows. Uh, is a good is a good option too. I think um, that's, that might be uh, a little bit sturdier, depending on your windows. I have giant windows that are, you know, like ten feet across uh, and you know four or five foot high. So just getting plywood. Um, if if I went outside and I just drilled it in with big you know screws, I could cover my windows, and that would that would hold that would hold people at bay for a little while. But then I got to worry about well. I can't see what's happening and I've lost a, a visual component of my defense. Um, could you cut holes in there so you could, you know, peek out? Yes, but then you, you, you know, you're weakening your defense. So there's gives and there's pluses and minuses with plywood, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, one thing you can do that, <laughs> that could injure people is, you know, going back to the, uh, you know, the idea we we're talking about before where you just take nails and, and run them up uh, to the bottom of uh, shingles. Uh, lay those underneath, um, you know, your windows or, you know, use a board or, like you said, duct tape. So people, you know, go up to your windows and they go to bust in a window and they end up with a big, you know, four-inch nail in their foot. And that's going to, you know, it could potentially, you know, take the fight out of somebody. You know, it, uh, it might not make everyone run away, but, it, you know, it could be some, you know, kind of defensive measure. Mm-hmm. Um the doors, uh, a reinforced steel door is going to be the best thing that you can have. I don't even think, uh, I don't think they're that common, though. They're certainly not common where I am. Uh, you know, I think they're more common in other countries, oddly enough. But um, a steel door with steel hardware that's, that's, you know, sunk with big, heavy screws into your frame. Preferably a steel frame, but if you don't have a steel frame, if you have the regular wood frame like most of us do, um, there's several different products you can buy that can reinfor- reinforce your door lock assembly so that it doesn't blow out whenever somebody kicks it. Um, it might take someone, you know, a minute or two, like you said, to, to get in your door, but it, we're just buying yourself time. So if you can re- reinforce that door so they don't come up and kick it down at the first kick, that's going to buy you time. Maybe you can sneak around the backside um, or, you know, just get out and, and run away. Um, uh, one thing, you know, there's, so there's, you know, two things that I think you could do after the fact. Sandbags are one of the things that I, I think are over or overlooked. I've got, you know, I've got sandbags at home that I'm keeping for an event just like this. I don't have to worry about flooding. Um, you know, like, you know, like your neighborhood, Jeff, but, um, sandbags would be a great barricade if I had enough time to fill them up. And, uh, obviously my wife was way past the point of caring that I, I drug dirt in the house. Um, 
Well, they make they make like I mean you might not make a wall out of them. I know because you know and you, and you know from being in the military, it's time consuming. It's a real pain in the ass to, to fill sandbags and everything. But being able to have a like a, a place that you can hide behind. If somebody does have a, a weapon, somebody does have a rifle. I mean, they're you get drive by shooters because there's right. they're just out there just wreaking havoc and they don't think about it. In fact, it makes it easier for them to shoot at shoot at things when they don't when they don't see that they're actually shooting at a person. You know, they can let off steam and it's like if out of sight, out of mind, but you can get stray bullets. And so having a place that, you know, you can quickly duck behind, even if it's just a, you know, a three foot wall of of sandbags that you have. Um, it's just it's it's just one little safety spot that you can have if if things all of a sudden, you know, start start going to hell in a handbasket. So you don't need a lot. Um, and you might not have a lot of dirt available, but, you know, it definitely can come in handy. Right. I know in my case, it wouldn't be sandbags. It'd be dirt bags. And, uh, yeah. but, uh, it, it would do the same thing. And, and one more thing I, you know, thought of, uh, I've seen if you don't have lumber sitting around just waiting for you and it's a, you know, it's a, a panic situation and you have to do something fast. What you can do, assuming you have uh, wood-framed walls in your house, is you can take and cut the sheetrock. Um, again, this is if your wife is not going to kill you for this. Cut the sheetrock out and expose some of your wooden uh, wall joists. Take two of those wall joists out. Two in a, the span of a you know, decent-sized wall aren't going to reduce the structural integrity of your home. But take, those, take two two-by-fours out nail them together at a 90-degree angle, and then put that over your door and nail it into the door frame uh, as much as you can. That's going to be, uh, you know, a low-budget, uh, dirt, dirt-simple way to, you know, stiffen up your door a little bit more and make it a little bit uh, harder to get into. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, awesome stuff, man. I mean, as usual. So, so I really appreciate you sharing these these strategies, this topic. It's kind of carried on from some other ones that we've done, and I think there's a lot of information there. So, everybody, go back and check out those other those other um, broadcasts that we've done with Pat before. And definitely, if you want to start checking out some really like um, you know the, the tactics that you need, as well as other survival tips that will help you in any sort of a of a crisis or a collapse scenario. Definitely go check out more of Pat's website and his blog. He he blogs. Gosh, you blog like daily, don't you? I, know, I try to. Yeah, I know you got a lot of a lot of stuff going on over there, and it's a it's a really good read. You, you're you're doing a great job with it. So everybody, check that out. It's over at www.thepreppurjournal.com. And until our next Modern Combat Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying, train hard, stay safe, prepare now. Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.